Captain, e engineering is reporting that uh, they've recalibrated the ventral array. Captain, I think we're ready to bring them back. You found them. That's amazing. Hey, it's okay. Proceed, sir. Oh, sir. <laughs> okay. You guys, you, we found you. See, Eris, you're back. It's been six months. They're, they're there. We're back. <laughs> you, you, you reappeared after so long. We, we thought you died. <laughs> we, we've been gone. Man, this holodeck really is broken. Dosri nuneh go holodeck cash. Welcome to the holodeck is broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your captain, Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And I'm Z. And we're all back! Yay! Hooray! Ooh time in six months our our alternate uh format actually ended up taking up more episodes than our original format so hopefully we'll start evening up the score again <laughs> yeah. uh, so this week we will be discussing conscience of the king and balance of terror balance of terror is a uh, much beloved episode i don't know if it'll be beloved by the end of our episode here it's episode 14 and 15 of the original series i will say Especially after our medical emergency format, where we watch literally every other version of Star Trek over six months, coming back to the original series is weird. They've got a, just a weird pacing and just feel about it. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about coming back. Laura, did you feel some re-entry pains coming into the original series? I think so, but it also was like a simpler time. And yeah, I was actually thinking that too. I wonder if I have the opposite thing you guys. I haven't been watching the other Star Treks. So I've pretty much stayed in the original series. And um, I don't know if it's this weird Stockholm syndrome thing, but I'm kind of like, I've gotten used to how they pace things now. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, yes, okay, I see what happens here. Like, I have a lot more forgiveness than I remember having starting this. Uh, whole thing. <laughs> I'm I'm probably the biggest original series apologist, but I came watching these episodes again. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm into the original series anymore. And meanwhile, I'm like finding like, all right, they had some good, you know, here we go. Like, I'm like weirdly not necessarily into it, but it's it, I feel like we're switching places. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree. Like, I I came back to it and I was like, okay, all right, this isn't this isn't so bad. Like, I don't have so many off-the-wall comments like I used to have. But then they would do something, and I was like, okay, hold on. Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They would do something. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I'll, here, I'll, I'll say this. I've seen some modern stuff, you know, stuff coming out in the year 2020. And then I go back and I watch original series Star Trek, and I'm like, I don't think we got that much better. <laughs> like the uh, Kirk. She's 19. Yeah, yeah. nineteen. Yeah. And then yeah. I watched something that was filmed six months ago, and I'm like, "That's the same old thing right here." <laughs> She's nineteen. Get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> You're eighty nine years old. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, yeah, life hasn't changed that much, I guess." <laughs> and I, I also love how I think they mentioned at one point she played Lady Macbeth in her father's play, where he was. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ew. Yeah. 
Kodos may have uh, executed people indiscriminately, but he was also real weird with his daughter. Can, yeah, can can we talk about that? Because I have well, I have thoughts and opinions as I normally do. I actually kind of liked this episode. Maybe not in the whole comparing it to every media form I've ever seen or, or read or heard, but this episode is very Shakespearean. Oh yeah, like that's that's it. And I kind of like the fact that he did have this weird thing. Well. Rather, his daughter had a weird thing with him. It's hard to see the other way around. Here's this dark past. Here's this weird noir-esque murder mystery. You know, because like noir in itself is very Shakespearean. I was like, wow, this thematically all fits. It's like, what if we did Shakespeare in space? And then they did Shakespeare in space. That's a theme that will continue pretty aggressively as we keep watching. The sixth movie is so heavily steeped in Shakespearean ideas mm. and, and references. I mean, mm. it... The title itself, The Undiscovered Country, is a line from Hamlet. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the Cleons claim Shakespeare is one of their own. And, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Guy I just, love Oh, yeah. Back, the bad guy just absolutely like, just starts spouting off Shakespeare quotes. But at the same time, like, I've studied a lot of Shakespeare. There was nearly enough dick references for it to be truly Shakespeare. <laughs> That's true. Uh. <laughs> Shakespeare, like... He knew how to he knew how to entertain all of the masses, you know. <laughs> I think but. the beat that I was missing was at the very end when she's, you know, giving her little soliloquy about everything, and the audience is still literally sitting there watching this happen. I really just wanted the crew to just stand up and give a standing ovation at that point, thinking it was all part of the yeah. Like yes. the note yeah. I had on that. So I'm like, this is some bomb ass Shakespeare when she they they're all killing each other and yeah. uh, and then I'm like, folks that had to watch the simulcast from like from the crew the lounge, room. they're they're missing out. Yeah, <laughs> they're probably like, oh, they got the captain to play a part. Uh, Sir, is he playing a part? <laughs> Did that guy just die? I think he just died. There's our entertainment for the next two months. <laughs> it features the last canon appearance of uh, Janice Rand, our friend, and she has no line. She just glares at Kirk briefly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, like that's the sir. She's nineteen. Look, <laughs> right? Yeah, she, she's in Balance of Terror, but Balance of Terror was made before this episode. So, oh, okay. I was about to say, Uhura got more singing time again this week, which I think was always welcome. Yeah. Uhura is the one element of the original series that ages real well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Everything else, I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this anymore. And then I'm like, Uhura, come on, sing a little bit. Two things that kind of go together in my head. She's not singing a song, you know, that we would know, our present timeline would know, essentially. She's singing a space song. Mm-hmm. Music still has evolved in this, this, you know, meta canon, which is not something every sci-fi does. And, and not a lot of Star Trek does. Yeah. yeah. And they're always listening to... 20th and 21st century standards like much ballyhoo made in the jj abrams movies about kirk really being into the beastie boys right Um. and it's not intergalactic's planetary i will always be mad at him for that (laughs) (laughs) one thing that that i notice in a lot of sci-fi is that they put all their creativity eggs in this the sci-fi element of it and and not on the if it's the future art would have evolved Right. So I really appreciate Uhura singing a space song with this like kind of space instrument. And she, I mean, she does it very, very well. And it's just like, this, this is a space song. This is a song that they've invented since going into space. 
And that's Spock's Vulcan harp. She just, like, absconded with that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a her. They were, they were getting very into it. She's just like, I'm taking this harp for all the sex we had. And Spock's like, logical, please. Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> going to be a present, but it's fine, whatever. <laughs> There's very little chance our commercial is not going to be about sex harps at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but... Um, um... Along the same line. So there's obviously the whole play. There's actors and stuff. And actors being usually, for any culture, the uh, the fashion. That's how you drive fashion. Like, what's what's the actors wearing, you know? I have some questions <laughs> about their fashion choices. Yeah. Okay, I will say Lenore's fur mini dress. That was good. The gardening gloves were not. Yeah. She's not wearing gardening clothes. No. And I'm like, I'm sir, I'm sir, sir, I'm going to have to call foul on that play. Why are you wearing this? They were beige. Like, who gardens with beige gloves? I, like, it didn't match at all. If they were silver, I would be all right. I'm into it. But who gardens with beige gloves ever? But who gardens with beige cl- gloves on a color TV show in the 60s where you're just being like, it should have been like, bright red like oh look at all the colors on the tv now i did like her tights her tights she wore like these sparkly glitter tights i was like all right yeah you got legs and you know it <laughs> i those tights absolutely honestly yeah that whole like everything but the gloves that whole outfit was good her i'm gonna walk into a desert and maybe accidentally kill a dude that was not a good outfit <laughs> accidentally okay (laughs) yeah yeah what was up with that like slutty halloween nun costume thing she had going on where it like came up above her knees but she was wearing like a habit (laughs) what was going on there and that's my question so that's it slutty halloween nun yeah you nailed it one (laughs) speaking of clothes the scene where they have the the overloading phaser in kirk's quarters Mm-hmm. Yeah. Symbolism, you know. There's the dick joke. All right, it's yeah. Shakespearean now. It's official. <laughs> Spock starts pilfering through Kirk's clothing, trying to look for. It. Which a, that's where he goes first. <laughs> B, none of the clothes he finds are uniforms. Oh my god! Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh my god! Yeah. Garments that we never see Kirk wear, and Spock's just like, "This is your fancy things, and I'm throwing them yeah. around." <laughs> Maybe Spock secretly hates them, and that's why he was like, "I've been using this opportunity to get rid no, of his no. stupid fucking no. clothing." Spock bought them. And he's <laughs> mad that he never wears them. He's like, and "I bought this, and I bought yep. this, and this, and this." <laughs> The tags are still on them. Yeah. <laughs> I see you, Spock. We see you. Can we talk about the milk? Who, who just drinks milk like that? Like, at first, I was like, intellectually, like, I just saw her poison his milk. But at the same time, are we sure it's not that he's lactose intolerant? <laughs> a lot of milk. Yeah, um, I know of one person, at least... The drink milk like that, but it's not a common thing. Yeah, I wrote down, why is this guy such a weird drinker? Yeah, also his plate was filled with cubes, so... Yeah, the <laughs> the meal that has appeared in every episode so far, because the show's in Technicolor, and it's like, oh, last food there. Wait, so the food's Technicolor, but the clothes aren't. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say this first. 
Um, I did like this episode. I liked how it was Shakespearean. Um, I think the writers did a pretty decent job getting those themes together and doing all that. Um, I am now nitpicking on just the set dressing kind of stuff now. Weird choices the prop department's made. <laughs> Why is it always cubed food? You eat with your eyes first. I'm going to start on quoting Hannibal in it like, like T minus 20 seconds here, but like... <laughs> Why is the food not look good? Right. How is this? I don't care if it has all the nutrients you need. Unless it looks good, it's not going to make you feel good. Like, food is comfort. It makes no sense in the context of the show, but in the context of the production of the show, the only thing I can think of is that somebody, the production designer, Roddenberry, whoever, made the decision that that looks like food astronauts would eat. And this is the peak Gemini period in the in the space race that, like, the audience of the '60s would see that and say, "Oh yes, if I'm in space, I, I want red and green chunks because that's that's very spatial." Right. I, yeah. I, I I can see. I just yeah. I'm I'm still very like. But you. I'm with. Yeah. It it it, it you doesn't. You would evolve past that, you know, like. And they the do. Astronauts- yeah. Oh, I was like, astronauts have to eat that at that time because that was literally the best they could come up with to right. make sure that these men didn't starve to death while in the horrors of the void. Um, at that, that point, ex- they should learn how to make a fucking chicken, you know? <laughs> that explanation makes about as much sense as the explanation they used for the poison that she, like, tried to give the guy, which was that it was, like, some kind of fuel or whatever that, like, looked and tasted like milk. Like, what? I actually weirdly have a defense for that that one though. Um, it was a like engine lubricant that had a milky. It was already a milky substance and was very toxic. I have a feel like because it was already in a spray bottle. I think it was just useful. I think it was just like she walked into the room and she's like, "It's the engine department. There's tons of poisons in here. Which one can I slip into him?" You know. I think it was just more like <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, like, if it was actually, like, a poison poison, I think it would have been in, like, a bottle or syringe. But instead, I think she just, like, found a spray bottle full of toxic substance and put it in the milk. And <laughs> was like, well, he'll drink this. It'll be great. <laughs> and on the poison milk note, I think that brings us to our commercial break. <laughs> Such a weird note to end on. Red and green chunks. What astronauts crave. Now with more engine lubricant. Ooh. Green chunks are vegetables. The red chunks are meat. So okay. yummy, you won't blow chunks. Uh, <laughs> let's go to plugging our things. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy our talkings, uh, there are other podcasts to which you can listen to. There is As the Myth Turns with... Eris. And Z. Uh, they air episodes on weeks the holodeck is broken is off, so listen to them. They will be all soon available on partyapocalypse.com because we need to move as the myth turns stuff over to the site. Fourth wall is there, uh, as long along with books, blogs, and other things. I think that was it on plugs. We've taken to offering social messages as well during the commercial break while you guys were gone or while we were gone. Wear your mask. Make sure it covers all your face orifices on the frontal part. Nose and mouth. Nose and mouth reverse batman as i said one week <laughs> register to vote and, and vote. vote and vote yeah you gotta do and both. actually vote yeah black lives matter hell yeah harris is on the fence on that z no z. no yeah no i said yeah <laughs> <laughs> harris is thinking <laughs> <laughs> no i said yeah <laughs> <laughs>
I hear the yeah. Oh, okay. my hell yeah was just a little loud. That's all. Yeah. That's what it, I. I think yeah. What else did we have? Um, vaccinate your damn kids. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's our new one. Since you guys are yeah. back, vaccinate your children. When there yeah. is a vaccine to COVID out there, if scientists say it is trustworthy and 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 effective, use it. Kids learn things really fast, so I guarantee you, it will not be that hard to teach them how to wear a mask too. Also, a, a flu vaccine. That's yeah. gonna be a big one. Yeah, go ahead and get your flu vaccine now, like like as soon as possible, because you don't want to be battling two diseases right now, especially not respiratory ones. Right. Also, don't drink and drive. Let's just just throw that one out there. Yeah. Just you have to stay home anyway. Just drink at home. Just drink at home. Oh, hey, hey. How about consent matters? There's yeah! Absolutely. Not only does it matter, it is the yeah. quintessence of it. Only a yes means a yes. Anything else is a no. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is why we needed more away team members because yeah. we were missing things. We were missing things. We oh. apologize. At, this does not mean that during the six months that it's been just me and Laura that we didn't think consent mattered. <laughs> <laughs> you just forgot to say it. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> you know, when 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 the world is on fire, both figuratively and literally, um, <laughs> you you have to to you know conserve your energy sometimes. And while there's so much that needs to be said, sometimes you forget a few things. So yes, we we do apologize. Mm-hmm. We're all human. We can only do so much. <laughs> you know, this is true. Let let us say now that this is not an inclusive list no, of things no. that people should do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want an inclusive list, uh, stay tuned for my follow-up podcast, which is approximately 47 hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Eris explains it all. Eris explains it all. (laughs) Shit, does that mean I actually have to do that now? Pitching a podcast on a podcast (laughs) is a verbal contract to make that. that. (laughs) Hold up, let me spit in my hand and like reach it out, you know? So, we're back. Uh, I think... Does anybody else have anything to say about Conscience of the King before we say anything about Balance of Terror? I have two things. One, Dr. Thomas Layton, that's a big-ass eye patch. That was a big eye patch. (laughs) In two, there's a line where Lenore talks about the ship surging and throbbing, and then she turns and she says, are you like that? And I, like, the the tension? Like, (laughs) chop, chop with a knife! You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, Lenore, you're 19. I, I wanted to point out, so we have Thomas Layton, and I believe his wife's name was Martha. Mm-hmm. And I was just really hoping that they don't have a son. Name Bruce. That man would become Batman in the Star Trek universe. And that would be weird. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. There's, there's such a thing as a Star Trek Batman? I may have just spoken that into existence. So if you feel the need <laughs> yeah. to write that. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure it's a fan fiction. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, gotta exist out there somewhere, right? Yeah. There's a Doctor Who uh, Next Generation crossover comic, so there's gotta be a Batman thing out yeah. there. Oh my god! I, I I got very close to writing a Superman Star Trek fan fiction like 20 years ago, but I didn't. Isn't there a Green Lantern Star <laughs> sure Trek? There is. Yeah, like that's like a, literally a thing. Yep, I've read it. It's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I I sold that. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, I sold that. <laughs> you might have sold it to me. I think I did. <laughs> there we go. Way Got to go, Ares. <laughs> look, look. I just, I just ring up the cash register, all right? <laughs> and I don't 
work there anymore. Yay! <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I love and regret that this wasn't more of a meme of the I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a 2020 mood. Oh I'm, I'm honestly considering if I can't find a, a gif of it already, then I'm just going to make one. Do just, it. I'm tired. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> Uh, I was I, I was struck that uh, Kodos was playing the ghost in Hamlet, which is a relatively small part for the head of a company. Yeah, I honestly was wondering if he wasn't um, doubling up on parts because I thought the same thing too. I was like, why is he the ghost? The ghost got like twenty lines total through the play, and like you know? all in Act One, Scene Two, or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's like a three-hour-long play, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> he should right. be the king. <laughs> anyway, I was wondering if maybe they were doubling up on parts there. That happens sometimes with yeah, uh, like, actor yeah, companies. Especially if, yeah, if you were playing the ghost, you'd be done pretty quickly, and then you could still be, you know, frozen. Plus, he's wearing that, like, he had that whole mask thing. And so yeah. it's just like, you just throw on a different cloak, and boom, different character. <laughs> Balance of terror. <clears throat> a wedding! That's my very first note on that page. Like, oh, look, it's a wedding. It's a space wedding. Space wedding. And I for, have... like, half a second, I thought it was a gay space wedding <gasps> because the the bride walks into the room with another lady, and then the and Kirk turns around and smiles at both of them, and they, they look like they're both about to walk down the aisle, but then it's just the bride lady, and I was like, oh, we were so close. Right. Star Trek gets better with representation. Representation, as far <laughs> as sexual orientation and uh, and gender identity is concerned. But it takes it took a long time for them to get there, though. It did it yeah. longer than you would think. Yeah. Yeah. So they're there now. I was excited for the wedding, but then he was like, I don't know. Normally, the officiant or whoever is like, "We'll gather here today to honor so and so and so and so." But he was like, "We're here so that I." As the captain, <laughs> get to do this cool thing. <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't even do it. <laughs> it, <Right>. should be, <laughs> it should be noted, in a week's time, I'm officiating your wedding, Z, so you don't <laughs> want me to do, do a Shatner impression for the ceremony? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, so here's the thing. No. Good note. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I liked it for people should emulate this. I liked it from a character standpoint because I feel like that's very Kirk. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. I'm going to make this about me. <laughs> like, that's good writing right there. I'm the captain and I merge all people on the ship into you're one. Just... <laughs> like, you're just extras. <laughs> I know there's a, a red alert or whatever, but the captain couldn't throw out a quick, like, and with the power bestowed on me, I now pronounce you man and wife. Okay, everyone to battle stations. Like, <laughs> right. Honestly, as soon as they went to red alert, I was just like, oh, one of them's not going to make it back. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> so, Shatner impressions out. But if there is a red alert, do you want me to finish the ceremony, Z? These are things I need uh, to know. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I'm, I'm making notes here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Red alert, keep going. <laughs> Show must go on, as they say. Uh, one last thing about the wedding, though, uh, before before I run out of notes on the wedding. Later, they reveal that it's, it's she's marrying her superior officer. Yeah. yeah. I have 
problems. That's that's a general, general, original series vibe there, yeah. And he he like says it jokingly to her, like for now I'm still your superior officer, which like okay, like I could see that maybe being an inside joke, but she just stares at him like, yeah, bitch, you are. Shut up. <laughs> I have theories about this lady. It relies heavily on the context of the rest of the episode, but there's no way this lady is not the Romulan spy that they were talking about. <laughs> Right. Are suspiciously covered the entire episode. That's true. But then they drop the Romulan spy thing later. Like the the one guy's all like, oh, there's Romulan spies. And then we don't bring it up again. I'm like, uh, we've introduced a new character with a speaking role, so it's gotta be her. And a name. She's got a name, you know? (laughs) And at the end, she was like, he was like, Shatner, whatever, was talking to her, and or I guess Kirk, not Shatner, but anyways. It's like I'm okay. Like she didn't care at all. Yeah, she no, got to was... him real fast. And she actually appears in the next episode, and she has moved on. She has yes. a new, new guy with her. And everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You haircut newbie, <laughs> new man. <laughs> but I'm like, that's that's been kind of this show's problem is they introduce these like big concepts and then don't follow through on them. Like the whole time that that one weird episode where they find a, a second Earth just out in space and then we never right. talk about and it. No follow up. <laughs> yeah. I need to know what goes on in second Florida. I need to know. Is it as bad as first Florida? Or or is are we or our Florida is just like the bad vibes sponge so that this other second Florida can be the good Florida? Is Wait. is second Florida utopia? Right? <laughs> it could be. Are we the it. second Florida? Oh, I think we're all the second Florida. We're we're just the negativity sponge. 2020 is the second Florida of time. <laughs> I don't know if like is the right word. I thought I I got a message from this episode in general, but like specifically with the wedding that I'm not sure. I, I feel like this is what they were trying to tell me, but I also feel like they did a kind of a poor job telling me this and they could have done it better. So this is very war naval battleship heavy and like starts with the wedding and it ends with a destroyed wedding. You know, like, like she's back at the chapel and then she's, you know, she's crying or having emotions or something. And then she kind of like hugs her captain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and then she's like, I'm fine. I'm a good soldier or whatever. And I think I, the message I got is like, um, even if you're trying to prevent a war or, or like, or like it's like war is bad and will destroy people kind of thing. You know, like it destroys lives. And here you force this poor young woman who should be grieving back into soldierhood. I feel like they could have hit that a little harder. But at the same time, I do feel like that's the message they were trying to get across. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think TV writing had really figured out how to hit the nail on the head like that. Unless it's like Rod Serling at the end of a Twilight Zone episode where he can just soliloquize for, you know, 30 seconds. Right and put it into relief. Yeah. You have to kind of of meet the show halfway on some of that stuff, but no, I definitely agree. Uh, One thing more on the wedding before we do move on to the rest of the episode where all the things happen. (laughs) Uh, The fact that Spock and Uhura, who are a folk duo, weren't asked to play music at the wedding feels like a slap. Mm. Like, yeah, it does. You're sitting on a gold mine right there. (laughs) Right. They're the wedding band. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe they're maybe they belong to one of the groups that don't believe music should be in church. I don't. Let mm. me just bring the mood down here for a second. No, because <laughs> hold, it, up. hold up, let's revi- There's there's churches that don't like. I mean, I know there's churches who don't like like dancing, but uh, well, I thought 
singing church and gospels Christ, were like a thing. Yeah. Singing is fine, but like Church of Christ, there's no instruments. All singing has to be like just acapella. I so, went to one as a kid with a friend and like none of them can sing either. Like it's not like they adapted to fix the music the la- or the lack of music, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's interesting. So I I fully expect that there could be one that like no music at all is bad. I I don't think the Federation's interested in theology much at no, all. No, no, and Roddenberry yeah. certainly isn't. Rod, yeah, Roddenberry <laughs> is like capital A atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I I've always thought that. Uh, the Starship Enterprise was a Unitarian church in space. And I've said that to Unitarian congregations in the past. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think it was, I think, I think uh, the, the couple had a beef with Spock and Uhura. <laughs> you have a whole mythology, right. a whole episode that went happened before this one. <laughs> they know why they weren't invited. Not, they're not even at the wedding, not like getting biked up. They're just not even there. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Was- Bullshit. I get married I- on that. Spock and Uhura are playing music. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I ship Spock and Uhura and Spock and Kirk. So, like, in my head, they're, like, this little polyamory trio. And I think um, Spock is a little bit more jealous than his partners is. And that's why every time Kirk brings on a woman, he's like, hey, now. Yeah. Yeah, that's my feelings exactly. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, there, there's a rumor going around. There, they, there's a new spinoff um, announced since we've last done an episode uh, that'll detail Captain Pike, who we saw in the Menagerie, uh, his time on the Enterprise with a younger Spock and that sort of thing. There was a rumor that Kirk would be a character, like we would see how Kirk met Spock, and that Kirk would be depicted as bisexual in the show. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. and that That's his vibe, yeah. Right, and, and you know, some people were really upset about that, and I was like, I... "Did those people not watch Star Trek?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's fine. It's Even yeah, the originator of chaotic bi energy. Right, <laughs> right. He's what? What's the term for someone who's sexually attracted to objects? Oh God, I have no idea. Blanking on it. Oh, I. Kirk has it for the ship. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So I'm going to go out on a limb, and I don't think Max can agree with me on this one. I kind of got really bored by this episode, just in general, mostly because I feel like this is kind of the end of Wrath of Khan, but not done as well. And I actually kind of agree now that I've watched it. Really? Okay. Because the first time we watched this back in February, I kind of wrote, I'm oddly bored by this episode. And then when we rewatched it here very recently, I, I just wrote, yep. (laughs) (laughs) i confirm that yep is written in different angles and it just because and especially like it just sort of ends like i my final note on this and it's over like it just the episode just stops and i i didn't feel like it paid off in the way they wanted it to and i don't know there's something about just the whole episode that just felt off to me yeah i i agree because like you mentioned it, it wrath of khan has a very similar pacing where it's like a submarine moving in space but wrath of khan does it a lot better yeah so, yeah yeah i agree actually you were wrong i agree. I, <laughs> I i agree too like so i'm i'm 
I'm a history major, which I think is why the only interesting part about this episode to me was when Professor Spock was like, way back when, long ago, and he was like giving us the rundown of the roar. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Okay, I'm done with the rest of the episode. Yeah. And unfortunately, we never get to see that war depicted in any kind of canonical way. Like uh, Enterprise, which is a prequel series, gets right up to the point of depicting that, but never quite does it. So mm. that perpetually in our imaginations. Yeah, because I, I got the feeling from the beginning of this episode that, like, here they're introducing this actual enemy. Like, there hasn't been a antagonist in Star Trek up mm. until this point. And now you're like, wow, there was this whole historical war that, like, created a neutral zone. And this is, like, you can now see the military aspect of the of, of Star Trek Enterprise, not just this, we're going to roam around space like cowboys. Um and I am now worried that they don't do anything with it. <laughs> uh, the Rom- like everything else they've yeah. done. The Romulans come back with some frequency. The Romulans are a key part of the first J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah. Uh, in the latest Picard series, they're a runner in that okay, movie. Okay, okay. Yeah, the Rom- I mean, the two big bads of Star Trek, certainly in the original series, are the Klingons and the Romulans. And I would dare say, for the first several decades of star trek the romulans are the more developed villains okay. it's not until the next generation that the klingons have any depth to them beyond mm, yeah. uh mustachioed villains mm, so okay oh i, I would say like it because it seemed like they were really hitting hard we're gonna make romulans as the um uh, i don't i don't know what to call it but like they're not they're not just mustachioed villains like here we've introduced like we introduced them through their captain who was like almost equal to Kirk. Like they have to play this very intellectual kind of military strategy game versus each other. Um, and then they end up having this weird heartfelt moment at the, at the end where like Kirk watches him die. And, you know, it's like, we could have been friends, you know, kind of thing. Um, and I'm like, that happens a lot in the rest of the Star Trek series. So like in next gen, you get those moments of like this Romulans are always that kind of that, that villain out there. But then you get these moments where it's like captain to captain, like this happened with Picard. They're like, I can respect you. And they have this like weird mutual respect for each other. They're definitely, yeah, they're they're definitely the most more political villain. Like they have, they are rational players. They almost feel like sort of that late stage. So, Union version yeah, of the Russians, yes. where, yeah. where there is a divide between the Federation and the Romulans, but mm-hmm. the Romulans are willing to make deals for the good of both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, this is my duty. It's not, you know, anything really against you. It's just what I gotta do. <laughs> Whereas the Klingons, not so much. The Klingons are like, kill Kirk! We will not have peace before Kirk dies! <laughs> I mean, I... I are passionate that. people. <laughs> if I met Kirk, I might be like, eh. <laughs> this one has mm-hmm. a, a good amount of Yeoman Rand, um, and I like that. Um, I have this, like, she always looks like she's telling secrets. So she's always standing too close and in a very intimate way with somebody and just feels like she should always be there. So I'm kind of sad that we probably won't see her again after this, right? Uh, <laughs> not until the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, wow. as, a, as a farewell, I guess I'm glad I got to see her one last time. 
I would say Uhura doesn't get much to do in this episode, mm. but what she does get to do, she milks for everything it's worth. There's one scene where they're rocked by the Romulan weapon, <laughs> and, and the bridge crew tumbles, but they haven't really perfected the art of tumbling yet. <laughs> Most of the crew on the bridge tumbles to the left of what we're seeing, and Uhura tumbles <laughs> all the way to the right. <laughs> yes! And I'm like, you get it, Michelle. Like, you know. She threw herself at that wall. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, on a side note, one time in uh, middle school, we were doing something kind of similar where we did a skit where a house was being haunted and we had to get thrown around by the ghost. And I threw myself so hard at the couch, I tipped it backwards. So, I, you know, I related to her in that scene. <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate Lock, uh, Spock's look of uh, when they finally reveal, like, oh, we've hacked into their system and we can see what they look like. Uh, the Romulans, you know, first time anyone has ever seen what a Romulan looks like. And then shows them on the screen. And then it goes, pans to Spock. Like, he's like, oh, shit, they look like me. Yeah. <laughs> I got a nice eyebrows kind of vibe from him. He's like, hey. Oh. The other context of that is the actor who plays the Romulan commander. Yes. Spock's daddy. Is, is more famously known as playing Spock's father throughout Star Trek. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, get, eyebrow game, recognize eyebrow game, but it's also dad? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, we are related. <laughs> There's also a moment, and I, I wrote this down, but I, I don't remember seeing it on the, the second rewatch that we just did, but, like, there's a moment when something broke on the bridge where Spock kind of puts out a fire with his bare hands. Yeah, um, he does. So I'm just like, okay, that was, that was real badass right there. I like that. He's just like, uh, pain is just a chemical signal in the body. Flap, 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 flap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you get it, Spock. <laughs> I, I just, I'm call- I love Uhura, but I honestly think at this point, right now, Spock is slowly becoming my favorite character. And I think America agree, agree, agreed with you in the 60s because that's one of the interesting things behind the scenes is that as the show premiered, they're like, oh, it's the it's the series starring William Shatner as Captain Kirk. And everybody's like, look at Spock. Spock's neat. And <laughs> I'm the captain. And, yeah, and yeah, fuck boy, get off the screen. <laughs> it's a fan mail. And here's all of Mr. Nimoy's. <laughs> there was some jealousy there. But yeah, I'm still I'm I'm interested in the space elf. Nimoy is the, the most consistent presence in Star Trek. He, yeah, I mean, appeared in movies just as recently as uh, 2012, right before yeah. he passed away. And uh, the character obviously ha- uh, is gonna it was in the most recent season of Discovery and is gonna get a whole new show played by a different actor, of course. So. Spock is the glue that holds Star Trek together. There's also an odd amount of prep work that goes into firing a phaser on the uh, original series. There's a whole department, like, yeah. Yeah, you gotta, like, it's like you gotta get clearance from another section of the ship to fire your phaser, and then, like, yeah. uh, I'm glad they streamlined that later. It's a little bureaucratic, I yeah. feel like it took so much, so, so much wasted time. Especially when the Romulan plasma weapon, and this is going to be the one time anybody buzzes me this week. <laughs> the Romulan plasma weapon is extremely powerful because if you ever play a Star Trek video game and you catch any like tangential <laughs> contact with that Romulan plasma weapon, you're done, son. You're done. You brought video games into this, so now I'm weirdly interested. <laughs> I was like, okay, if I start talking about how powerful the Romulan plasma, plasma weapon is, people are going to buzz me. But they did. So, ha ha. I mean, it's the episode. <laughs> I kind of wonder. Do the is the plasma uh not plasma the the phasers 
the whole very hard to fire is that um I almost thought that it was because they were kind of emulating what it's like to be like on a naval battleship like there's there's some lag time there's lots of like gotta call down to the right department and get the you know stylistically that's what they were definitely going for but as canon develops it's a lot simpler to fire phasers. It needs, yeah they they just give the bridge control over it yeah like <laughs> right yeah press when, the button, just boop, yeah. Fired. <laughs> yeah which when, makes sense because if it's a computer had to go down, when spock had to go down there and was trying to fire the phasers like that i don't know i know i was supposed to be impressed by that but really it just looked like a mad level of whack-a-mole um, <laughs> I wasn't impressed. Got <laughs> so many fucking buttons to press just to get the deal. Pew pew in space. Like, <laughs> I guess the uh, Romulan spy bride lady was off that day, so she wasn't available to help them fire the phasers. Yeah, yeah she just disappeared all of a sudden. Probably because she knew that you know she's trying. To, she's trying to hack the teleporter. She she could beam back on her uh, Romulan master ship. She was busy. <laughs> Tin foil over, all over the catered food because it, you know it was gonna yeah. start to spoil. <laughs> Listen, yeah, <laughs> I feel her pain right now. <laughs> so overall, our feeling is just kind of meh on meh. this one. Yeah, I, I appreciate it less than I did as a as a callow youth. Like I said, I hesitate to use the word like. This episode seems to start threads that I'm not sure that they're gonna close. For me, you know, because this is a very introductory episode, like, here's the villain, yeah. you know, here's more of the politics of this, like, this used to be, like, a fun cowboy romp in space, and well, now there's stakes, and there's a war, and all this kind of stuff, um, and I'm like, I hope they go, I, I know they go back to it, but are you gonna go back to the cowboy stuff, because that's almost what I'm afraid you're gonna do. <laughs> a little bit. This could have turned into, and now this is a war show. Right. Science military, and you're you'll get that. We're not gonna get there for several more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right back to cowboys. <laughs> Next time we'll be watching uh, Shore Leave and the Galileo Seven, uh, two episodes preview that uh, Galileo Seven kind of holds up, but Shore Leave is weird. There are some hallucinatory things going on in that episode, which are kind of fun, and we see our Romulan spy lady again for the last time. Uh, oh no other than that i'd say uh do everything we said in the commercials listen to our podcasts and be a good person and uh we'll see you next time yeah yep thanks for watching listening listen whatever <laughs> i i i listen with my eyeballs <laughs> she's an alien get her <laughs> bye everybody Bye. Bye.